0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's a brand new week. It is Monday, it's the 13th of November, 2023. And for those of you who like those chats that Sean and I have, where, you know, occasionally tech comes up, (laughs) this is today's show.
1: (laughs) You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now here's your host Stephen Scott and Sean Priest.
0: Hey Sean Priest, happy Monday! Happy Monday
1: to you, sir. Are you all ready to go?
0: Ah, uh, ready to go where? <laughs> I
1: know exactly. <laughs> Prepared, organized, and ready to go.
0: Well, I'm here. I mean, yeah. what else do you want, right? No, I mean, exactly. look, I mean uh, unlike some people, we turn up for work in the morning. Just saying. Oh. Um, so yeah. you know.
1: I'm saying nothing. God bless you, Mr. F. I loves you. <sighs> so what you kind of weekend a- have you had? Well, I- I'll be honest with you, Stephen Scott. It was an interesting weekend because Hang we on. did... Why would yes. you lie? I-, I lie all the time. Uh, because hmm. um, we got together and we did the Mac session. We uh, did it. We actually... You know uh, what? We are heroes. Uh, yes.
0: Because,
1: I, mean, I don't know, Thank
0: you. Because we, we said we were going to do something... And then we did.
1: (laughs) Now, with that said, and the usual double tap way, it did take me an hour to find a keyboard to actually start the session. But you know what? We got there. Okay, explain why,
0: right? Because we had to get your, in order to get this computer to actually function, you had already set it up. Yes. So you were at the login screen, but you had no wired keyboard, or you didn't think anyway, a keyboard that could connect to it so like well, a bluetooth keyboard or anything, and there was nothing set up and the problem is with the login screen you can't set anything up from the login screen
1: no so i did initially set up, Apple. I, uh, absolutely i mean there's about what four or five computers in this household no one's got a wired keyboard no. nowhere everything is wireless so yes i did initially set up this um, mac mini Uh, with the Logitech MX keys with the little dongle thing, right? So I've got one keyboard, controls my, thank you, Windows laptop via Bluetooth, and I had it set to use the Mac, control the Mac with the dongle. It was all beautiful, but of course, I haven't turned it on in ages. So when I came to use it, it wasn't connected. So it took me so long to set up that dongle. Again, Logitech Option software, please please sort that out. The accessibility is not great. But we got there in the end and you showed me through, I'm going to be honest, you showed me through the basics and then tried to push me onto the um, Numpad commander.
0: Yeah. Do you know the problem is when you're teaching anybody, and I'm not a teacher by any stretch of the imagination. I think you knew that within the first 10 seconds when you said, how do you do this? And I said, I don't know. Um, But I I just feel, you know, you, you kind of, it's. I suppose it's a bit like asking your dad to help you learn to drive, Right, I've never had this experience, but if I did, I would imagine it would be a nightmare because he's trying to show you all the cool things the car can do, and all you need to know is how to, you know, get the car moving, make yes. it go forwards,
1: and then stop. Ideally, and within um, five minutes, you're shouting at me. Yes, exactly. just just press the thing. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> do this. Wait until I've told you to do it. Stop <laughs> jumping ahead. <laughs>
0: we uh, we seem to have had experiences that we've never had. That's the weirdest thing. We seem to have experienced <laughs> driving lessons with our fathers. But I've no, honestly, say, it was it was uh, really interesting. It was kind of cool to go through it, and, and I learned something. I learned a few things as well.
1: It was very interesting. Yeah, and I, look, I've got to say, I went back to it, and I thought. Yeah, this feels good and and I understand why I did like the Mac for the longest time. I still absolutely still have trouble with the interaction model. I'm never sure when to do it, when not to do it, and I still get stuck. But hey, it's been a while since I've used it. But it was a, it was a nice experience. It was very cool. I love VOI for the item chooser, oh, VOU yes. for the rotor or whatever it is. Uh the window spots. Ah, gor- uh, gorgeous and it just makes it so easy to use. So Well, that was the bit that kind of
0: blew me away, right? So I'd been talking to you about the VOJ command. This is the thing that, uh, and for people who aren't Mac users, you were saying, okay, what on earth are they talking about? But VOJ is a command in voiceover that lets you jump from one section of the window to the other. It's a bit like, I suppose, if you were in Outlook, the F6 key. So how F6 can move you from, say, the sidebar with the inbox and the drafts and the send, and then it can move you into the message list. VOJ does that. So it will move you from one section of the screen to another, and it will automatically interact with that section so that you don't have to interact. It will just interact for you, and you can just continue from there. So really cool. Um, But the problem is with VOJ, it seems to have fallen out of favor over at Apple because a lot of the apps don't support it anymore, or at least haven't got the functionality built in. So, for example, in Messages, Mm -hmm. if you VOJ, instead of doing what you might think you would do, which is go from... the 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 message list so your conversation list as it's called which are all the chats you're having and then you can just you know vo left and right through the the list you know sean and robin and whoever it is we're talking to Mm. um and then you can choose the one you want with vo space and then that will take you straight to the message field so you can have a a conversation but ideally you might want to go into the previous conversations that you've had voj would take you to that section of the screen Well, it doesn't work like that. What happens instead is if you hold down a view and then you press J, it'll take you to the message history, which is okay. But then you hit it again, it takes you to the message field. Again, okay, that's cool. I might want to type a message in there. But what it doesn't then do is take you to the conversation list. It takes you back to the message history and you're kind of stuck in that loop and you can't get to the conversations without uninteracting from all of it and then view left all the way to the conversations list. And that can be a pain. So... With all that in mind, I'm saying to Sean, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was just a way I could just jump to this specific area? So in the Messages app, I hold down VO and I, I hit U, which brings up the, the rotor, or the web rotor, actually. And I thought there'd be nothing in here because this really only ever works, as far as I'm aware, on the web, on, on Safari. But no, first thing that comes up, window spots. And I'm thinking... Oh, what? So I arrow up and down the list, and in there, conversations, uh, the message history, the message field. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, that's it. It is. Yeah. Th- that is it. That is exactly what I've been looking for. I didn't even know that feature existed. Now, apparently, you heard from someone this is new.
1: Yeah, I saw a discussion over on AppleVis about window spots, web spots and hotspots and how it has changed in Sonoma. Now, obviously, I'm coming at this with not an idea. I've heard of hotspots and web spots before, but not window spots. But obviously, in this case, it works absolutely fine. It it jumps between the various containers there. And there is a keyboard shortcut to actually jump to the previous and next window spot. Off the top of my head, I don't know what that is, but um, it seems really cool. Because, as you said, there's three main areas in messages, right? And I just want to quickly choose what conversation I want to interact with uh, and then read the the message history in that conversation and then jump to type a new message. That's all I want to do. And to be able to jump between those quickly is essential. And Windows Spots is the way to do it, it seems.
0: So I set mine up as the numpad. On the numpad with the numpad commander, I set the period key to be that set, you know, go to next uh, window spot. I didn't set a previous one because honestly it's just cycling through a few of them so you, you'd, I'd almost rather that in a way you get a sense of where you are So It
1: depends how many window spots are in yeah, a, exactly. a particular app but we're talking three here so it doesn't make much difference Final right? Cut Pro,
0: that might be more challenging right because there's about 8 million areas on that screen whereas yes. you know with messages you're talking three or four actual areas Now the problem with the Mac and this is the forever problem with the Mac is the inconsistency So you go into another app like WhatsApp and you think, oh, I'll I'll be able to do the same. Doesn't have it. Doesn't have the options in the Windows Spots. Now, I don't don't know enough about Windows Spots yet, but from my understanding, you can customize them, meaning you could, I guess, create your own. And if that's the case, then that's ideal, right? Because you could just customize the thing to suit you. Yes. Now, the only problem I've got with all this is because I've learned a lot about using the Mac with hotspots and all this. <laughs> the challenge
1: is when you get a new Mac and you've got to start again. <laughs> ah, Now, are they, that's very interesting mm. because are these spots, let's call them, are they a voiceover feature or are they a system feature? Well,
0: this is the endless conversation that Michael Babcock and I have been having bit up here for about two, three weeks. Because we've been talking about this, and and we can't really figure out. There is an option in iCloud to save your voiceover preferences, or at least save voiceover in iCloud. I have no idea what that means. Because when I open up a brand new Mac, my settings do not transfer over, and I'm signed in on the same iCloud account. Mm. Now, there is a portable preferences option, which seems to have had issues because we talked about it, you might remember Michael had a little demo with us, and he was talking about how to set up your personal profiles or your sorry your portable preferences so you could take them with you. The problem there being is there seems now to be an issue with setting those up. So it seems to me there's an opportunity for Apple, especially with iCloud, to store all those settings that I'm you know building up in here to iCloud, and then as soon as I open up a new machine, I can just say that's it, it's me. I want VoiceOver to be. As it was for me. I mean, everything else sets up that way. So why can't they do that with voiceover? And I think that would be, if, if that is the case, mm. can someone tell me how, please? Because I really want to, want to know.
1: Well, particularly with the new activities and per app settings, right? You could yeah. have, potentially, you could have hundreds of different web spots, hotspots, window spots set up per app. And to set them up again could be a real real chore. It makes sense. I don't see why you couldn't have the portable settings for voiceover synced via iCloud. That makes total sense. to me. You.
0: If you've got a Mac, uh, let's say a Mac as I do, Mac Mini, and you want to, and I know people think, hang on a minute, I thought he, I thought he bought Mac, an iMac. I didn't buy an iMac. I was just talking about buying an iMac. I didn't buy an iMac. It's an Mac yes. like, Mini I use. Common but, sense. Well, yeah, well done. <laughs> it prevailed in the end. Um, do as I say, not as I do. Um, but <laughs> No, I got the Mac Mini and I've had it for a long time. I've got the uh, one with the M2 Pro in it, which is a a stunningly good machine. I mean, just as much as I love the sound of the M3 Macs and the Mac, whatever, they all sound lovely, but I just don't feel I need anything else. The power inside this machine, it just does what I need it to do. So I'm very happy with it. But the point is, I was looking, as you know, to get myself a new MacBook. And the time, it kind of just happened to transpire about the same time. That they were launching or announcing the new M3s, I didn't know that. About two weeks before the announcement, I'd planned to go in and trade everything in and get myself an M2 Max, and um, I'm glad it didn't because then the announcement came out about the M3. So, yep. as you know, and I've been sort of skirting around this on the show because I'd wanted to, I wanted to talk about it properly. I didn't want to just dive in or just throw a comment about this in because the challenge is deciding what to buy next, right? So what do you buy? So I'm obviously, I've got the MacBook. uh, Sorry, I don't have a MacBook. I've got the Mac Mini. And I want a MacBook. But the question is, what do I need? Now, what do I want? Well, you know, I want a 16-inch MacBook Pro with all the bells and whistles, 8 terabyte SSD, 128 gig, you know, M3 with 8 million cores. That would be lovely. But do I need that? I don't know. I don't think I do. No, and I'm, I go back to well, I go back to the 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 very point about the base level M1 Mac Mini that you're using right now, and that machine is so powerful. I worked on that machine for many many well a, a good year and a half before I upgraded. Well, about two years actually before I upgraded to this one. Yeah. And even now, I think, why did I upgrade? Because actually, there was nothing wrong with the M1. Do you know it's a difference in
1: your use case, in your workflow? Do you think, ah, now Now, I'm glad I I upgraded because this is far more responsive in this case?
0: I'll be honest, I did notice a difference with this, this new Mac Mini. So this is running the M2 Pro with 16 gig of RAM versus the M1 base model with 8 gig of RAM. And I did notice just a little bit of difference, especially with things like parallels, if I was trying that out with running Windows on the the Mac side, it did seem to be more responsive, more capable, um, less issues. I, I just overall felt it was just a bit more on top of it. Uh, so I thought, okay, that, that kind of suited me, right? I, I thought, okay, I'm happy with this. This is good. This is working well. And then, of course, the M3s come out, and I think, okay, so what do I want? And then I read all these reviews, and I'm reading all the reviews, and they're all saying the same thing. Don't bother with the M3 base-level MacBook Pro, because why would you? It's just for people who just cannot afford anything else. And, you know, they'll buy that. And, you know, you may (laughs) as well just buy an Air at that point. Um, (laughs) So, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you've got the M3 Pro, but they're all saying, look, actually M3 Pro, even Apple weren't really promoting the M3 Pro because they were sending out the M3 Max version to all the reviewers. And this is apparently because of some bottleneck issues they're noticing with the RAM and overall SSD speeds and, and transfer rates. So the M3 Pro actually seems very much like a a very marginal update to the M2 Pro. So if you've got an M2 Pro anything right now, um, like this Mac Mini, I would barely notice any difference that would appear on the M3 Pro. But so could, really, if you that want that power, fixed. you want the Macs, right? So suddenly the price is just going up and up and up and up. And I, I kind of I played around. So I, I have pre-ordered like four machines from Apple already cancelled all of them like I pre-ordered <laughs> hit the order button cancelled
1: in, instant buyers regret
0: yeah just like no <laughs> I'm not doing it in fact this all happened because the first one cancelled itself there was an issue with the card I think I put the wrong number in and so it came back and said you know sorry you'll need to do it again but because I used gift cards money from my trade-ins I it was too confusing basically they couldn't just take the new card number they had to start again but the problem with that was, of course, it pushed all the dates out because the, the release date was November 7th and they were all, you know, they're all in yes. stock now. So, you know, yes. it was a case I had to wait till maybe December to get one. So this made me think, OK, so went back in, ended up buying something even more expensive. And I have to say, this is perhaps a problem on Apple's part, but it's good for me. They don't take any money right away. right? So they don't take money. <laughs> Yes. They just take. They almost hold everything, but they don't take anything. So what that means is that you suddenly are in a position where if you want to cancel it, you don't, you're not losing anything. It's not like some companies when you buy something and then they take the money and you've got to wait like seven days to get it back or even get it released from the bank. It's like you've lost the money for a while. That's not the case with Apple. They don't do well, that. Well, that's lucky, because you bought it four times. Well, that's why, basically. <laughs> Once I realized that, I thought, OK, so I can, I can kind of choose. And, and I was buying, I was ordering, and I'm like, oh, do I want to do this? And then I was getting cold feet about it. And I ordered a top-end MacBook Pro 16 with 4 terabytes SSD, 64 gig RAM. Wow. Okay. Seven. I think I was up to at six thousand dollars at one point, seven thousand dollars at one point. It's
1: the SSD that costs that money. As, soon as you is? go above one or two terabytes, you are paying a premium for that huge storage. amount of money. Yeah. So you know, then I then I thought I'll cancel
0: that and I'll get one with a one terabyte SSD, and that'll do fine. And I'll just buy an external hard drive for a couple hundred quid, and that'll do fine. And then I cancelled that, <laughs> and so, so I decided. Do you know what? I want to just go into the store, get some hands-on time. With these computers. I actually spend some time mm, sealing time. up
1: a MacBook. Yes, of course. Caressing, I think, Absolute, is more Caressing, yes, yes. A
0: beautiful moment. Uh, feeling to up Norway. sounds less. Um, uh, yeah. Ca- yeah. So <laughs> I go in, oh, yeah, go, I went into the store and I spent some time with the computers. And I've got to say, the, the 16 inch, and I, I know you're what you're thinking. Here we go again. <laughs> He's going for the screen. The ridiculous. There's two things here. One is the the sound of this machine. There is a, I wouldn't say a huge difference, but there is a difference in the audio between the 14 and the 16. There's, for a start, the speaker's double the size, right? So, you know, there's got to be a difference in sound. And that is a real draw. There's also the side of it that is, if I use zoom, I can actually see something in it. It's not that bad, actually. If I zoom right in, I mean, we're talking... Um how could I maybe put this in, in visual context? You know the the, the little app uh, the little apple logo that sits at the top left of the screen on the menu bar. <laughs> yes. That's the size of the screen.
1: I know exactly what you that's mean. That's the yes.
0: level I'm at in terms of zoom, right? So that tells you a sense of where I'm at. But I can see it. So that's a that's a plus. Yes. Um but yeah, okay, how functional is that? I don't know. And again, this was kind of in my thinking as well, right? That seems like a great idea. I was quite excited by it. Obviously, it's an XDR display, so the quality of that screen is going to be really good. So magnification, really good. So for low-vision people, brilliant. But whether or not that's going to work long-term in any useful way for me, I don't know. Um, but I decided to take the plunge. IMac. Uh, and <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, dude, you know, always just buy an iMac. Get out of here. So, no, I decided I'd go for it. I was going to get the 16-inch. I was going for the uh, 36 gig with the it was M3 Pro or the M3 Max. No, it was M3 Max. M3 Max with 36 gig and 1 terabyte SSD. That's it, done. And then I tried to buy it and there seemed to be some discrepancy between me and Apple and um their desire to take my money.
1: I don't want your money, Stephen. <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> just just go away.
0: I think was the phrase. <laughs> um Yeah, because basically I was paying between a combination of, and this was a comedy of errors, the money I had in my Apple App Store account, which is apparently different to um, gift card money, because I had put some of that money in there. It's actually a lot easier to scan the cards with the camera and then redeem them in the Apple App Store. So you've kind of got all the money in one place. Right. But there's a maximum amount you can put into that. I didn't know there was a limit on the Apple App Store, but there is. There's a limit of $2,000 or £2,000 here. So I don't know what that is in Canadian, but £2,000 is your limit. So you can only put up to that amount in. So any money I had on gift cards beyond that would just have to remain as gift cards. So, okay, fine. So I had the gift cards. I had the money in the account. I, I have any overspend because, of course, it's Apple. You could walk in there with a million dollars and you'd still have to put money to it to get yes. what you want. Um, so I go in and I say to the guy, look, I'd like to buy this. He says, no problem. I said, now, look, the money is in the Apple App Store account and it's also here. It has gift cards. And he said, OK, the gift cards are fine, but we can't
1: accept the Apple store credit in store. <laughs> Now, see, this is really crazy to me because I thought you could. I thought you could pay using the app on your phone in store. I'm sure that was the you whole point can. of it. You can.
0: Yes, you can. Right? So you can buy accessories and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you could absolutely do that. Um, but, no, I couldn't for some reason. I couldn't have, for that product because or I was… just you. Well, I think it was because it was a multiple <laughs> payment thing, so it wasn't just like I was just paying this way, or just paying gift cards, or yeah, but just paying Apple by credit card,
1: credit or vouchers, or in it's the their Apple money. App. It's their yeah. They've it's got my ecosystem. money. They've already
0: got the money. I mean, they don't even need to. I, I don't have to have to do anything. It's like you've got the cash. Just oh. give me the machine. So anyway, we went through this for about an hour, and we even tried buying it like just going online, like I would have at home, and buying it that way. And then, you know, selecting pick up today at the Apple store. Yeah. So that I could literally walk out the front door of the Apple store, walk back in and say, hi, I'm here to pick something up. But that failed. Because apparently the combination of those methods don't allow you to pick up in store either. So oh. I had to get it delivered. So in the end, I just left with nothing. I was like, you know what? Forget it. Just forget the whole thing. I'll Are you come crying? back. Uh, no, do you know what? I was okay because it gave me a chance to think. Again, Give me a chance to think. Cancel! So <laughs> came home. What did I buy in the end? Well, after much consideration, and I have to say far too much time spent alone with my thoughts.
1: Feels like we need a drum roll.
0: I ended up buying a MacBook Air 15.2 inch.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, th- th- Base the Pro model. processor?
0: Base M2. Oh, and eight gig of RAM. Oh, and five hundred twelve gig SSD.
1: Now, oh, that's not powerful enough. You'll regret sig- that. Significantly you want
0: less. <laughs> significantly less power, um, but significantly cheaper as well.
1: Now, it's not all about explain money. yourself. Justify yourself, Stephen Scott. Here's the thing. So I go back to that point,
0: right back at the beginning. What do I actually need? I need a good computer, good sound. I need something that's very portable because it's going to be on the move. I need something that's going to do the job. And what is that job? That job is audio editing, very light video editing on the road. I'm not going to be mucking around with Final Cut, not yet. Um, you know. So it, it, what am I doing with this machine? I mean, we're recording now in CleanFeed. That's a web browser. If we even do video stuff, it's on Riverside. We use we use online platforms to do the TV show, so even if I was away somewhere else, I don't need to have a big powerful computer. So when I added up all those elements, I thought, going back to that experience with the M1 Mac Mini, I thought, I don't think I need any more than this. Now I have the benefit that with <laughs> this machine, there is a return policy that gives you an extra month. Um, <laughs> because Apple uh, have a extended holiday returns during this period um, up, to, up to holidays. So if I wanted to, I could take it back and replace it with something else. And I kind of think I'm doing this the right way around. I've kind of decided, right, you know what? Let's try out this one because this is the, it's not the lowest of the low by any stretch. I mean, it's a good machine. And this is kind of my point I'm trying to make is that I think these machines are better than the hype would have you believe people are always jumping on and going on about how wonderful these m3 process and then the m4 will come out the m5 will come out but honestly what's wrong with what's available today in the macbook air format i mean i could have even probably got the m1 macbook air 13 inch if i wanted i could probably have done that but the sound was pretty naff in comparison, it was kind of nice, actually, to spend about time just going through them and just turning voiceover on and off and just hearing the different voice and how it sounded on each machine. And, yeah, the 15-inch the sounds all, actually not bad at all. I was kind of surprised by that. It was a good-sounding machine, much better than the 13-inch did, and not quite as good as, and certainly not as bassy as the 16-inch um, MacBook Pro. But, you know, at £2,000 less,
1: I think I can live. For a bit of bass, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, it, it, it makes more sense to do it this way. And as you said, when you actually try and break down our workflow and our use cases, so much of it now is through web services. I mean, we were talking before and we think we could do most of this just using an iPhone or any smartphone, in fact. Uh, it, it, a lot of it comes down to data connection. How much actual processing speed do we need? Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter because of course it does. But as you said, I mean, this Apple Silicon is so powerful, anyway. How much do we actually need? So you know what? I'm proud of you, Stephen. Because Thank you. This this makes total sense. You didn't just throw money at it. Um, you I knew actually, it did. you, you know what? You <laughs> tried to, but luckily, <laughs> yes. God bless you, Apple. Apple, <laughs> Apple declined you. They saved me. It actually worked out right. I think I think it's going to be fine. And if it isn't, it's going to be interesting learning what actual you know uh, shortcomings you you find yeah, exactly yeah that's i think
0: what i'm looking forward to but i honestly don't think i'm going to find any. i think it'll be absolutely fine mm. i think as well there's something else with this and it's something i've noticed with friends of mine who've got pcs they'll often talk about how their machine is is more than capable and does the job fine and all the rest of it i think because we as screen reader users don't see what's going on on the screen. So if something takes a second longer than it might on another computer, we don't really notice it. We're getting the audio notification. We're not really, unless it's really, I mean, look, we all remember the days when machines were really slow and it would you'd hit a button and it would take forever to respond. But those days are kind of gone. And, you know, you get almost instant response these days with things. I mean, so I installed an app last night, um, which a few of you have been telling me about, We've been talking a lot about being able to control other computers uh, from, you know, like from different locations. And that's something I was thinking about as well. So I've got this really powerful Mac Mini sitting here working away could I just connect into that? But of course, the challenge has always been using things like TeamViewer or, you know, even the built-in Apple sharing. It's always tricky with screen readers. TeamViewer
1: right? is inaccessible. I'm sorry, well, everyone yeah. keeps talking about TeamViewer. It's inaccessible. Just it's an absolute
0: it. nightmare. Yeah, it is. it is. And there's other ones like AnyDesk, and there's there used to be another one. Was what was that one used to use years ago? Oh goodness. Log login pro was login pro or log, in? Me, in. log yeah. me in log me in that was the it. ones log the me old me
1: scammers try to get you to log into yeah yes that's right
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um that you know those again if you're using it visually with a mouse and a keyboard it's fine but it's hopeless when you come outside of any of of that and you try and use a screen reader so I know lots of you've told me about the new solutions product rim or uh, remote incident manager the name itself doesn't give a lot away because you wouldn't think a program like Remote Incident Manager is going to help you just be connecting between two machines like at home. I think it sounds name... very
1: enterprisey, doesn't it? It sounds it very IT professional, which to be fair, it which actually it is. is. Yes. And actually
0: as a program, it allows people who are totally blind to get into IT support and be able to support people on computers with people who don't have screen readers, people who are not blind. Because The program allows you to connect to a computer to offer IT support. Your side as the blind person, being the IT support person. You can have a screen reader on their computer and using it, whilst the person on the other end just has no idea, because they don't hear the screen reader. They just see the work being done to fix your computer. That is amazing. I mean, that is a story worth telling. And we're going to have, actually, Mike Calvo's coming on soon, actually, to talk to us about a different topic. But we are going to pick up on this with him, because it's an incredible story of how an app can actually enable not just independence, but capability and employment. And there's a lot of blind people who get jobs because of this. Yeah. And that's huge. That is absolutely huge, because it's completely unlocked a world for for blind people and employment. So um Anyway, I, I looked into the app, and there's a personal edition of it, so you can have what's called targets. You pay per target, essentially, you pay for the service, but you pay per target, and that target is the amount of computers that you might want to connect into. And you can have a, an unlimited number of sessions with different people. You don't have; to, it doesn't have to be. You pay. Per, so, like if I wanted to help you out with something, I don't need to pay for that we can connect via what's called a keyword session. So it's just, we pick a keyword between us, a word that no one else would get, and then we both connect via that word. And that's how we we connect. And Yeah, the usual remote
1: management method. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But I kind of like they've done keywords, right? So it's not like, here's a seven-digit number, where you're like, what was that, 8183? what, What was that, a four? All that nonsense. So anyway, what you're paying for is the specific. So in, in, in this case, my target is my Mac mini. So my Mac mini is set up as an unattended session. So I can get my MacBook Air. I can go downstairs. I could be on the other side of the world and I can just open up, uh, open up the shortcut on my desktop for my, for my Mac mini and I'm in and I'm using that computer and it is so smooth, so good. And... It completely takes over your system, right? It takes over your system on your Mac and MacBook Air side, for example. So you would be now in the Mac Mini and then you can use the shortcut to get out of it and get back into uh, your own MacBook Air. Such a good piece of kit. And I cannot wait to spend a bit more time using it because it means I can now get more out of the Mac Mini I've got. And that might be my solution in the end. Yeah, that might work out enough for very me.
1: good. And what is the keyboard shortcut to stop controlling the target computer, Stephen? Well, I'm glad you asked this because I was
0: <laughs> unaware. Um, so I did. I did read the manual, and it said Windows Shift and Backspace, but I couldn't get that to work because I, I was on a Mac. So I asked the good people of Mastodon. Thankfully, they came back, and the answer is Option Shift and Backspace, or Option Shift and D to disconnect. The problem for me at the moment is in the, um, and it is a beta phase at the moment for the Mac, you can't get to the menu that allows you to disconnect. You can get to the menu, but you can't action anything in the menu. There's probably a fancy way to do it with voiceover, like route the cursor to the thing and blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's just, I haven't got there yet. So- Option Shift and D or Option Shift Backspace is how you get out of the session and back to your own computer. But uh, honestly, such a good piece of kit. We need to take a break, or you know who? I think he's waking it's up. St- Uh-oh. Sorry. Uh-oh. We'll uh, get a break. We'll come back and we'll uh, talk go to more. Sleep. Yeah, go to sleep, Mr. F, honestly. <laughs> We're talking tech over here. Calm down.
1: Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and on Mastodon at Double Tap.
0: So, I want to mention a message that came in from Dane. Now, Dane is the uh, lovely person who every single week, without fail, sends me a part, parp. Barp. every time.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Great. The express goes oh, on. Oh. Yes, yep, absolutely.
0: Yep. The old part, parp. Well, uh, he got in touch with me. He's a little concerned.
1: Uh,
0: uh, he says, uh, Hey, Uncle S. I'm Uncle Stephen now, it would appear. Uh, thank you, Dane. Um,
1: oh, don't
0: like that. He says, do you still want me to parp, parp each Saturday? I'm sorry, Sean, that I used
1: your catchphrase. I can stop if wanted, but it's so fun. It is fun. No, you, you, you know what, Dane? You can have it. There you go. You can, no, you can use it under franchise. It's absolutely fine. Well, you he are... says
0: in the message, yes. Sean sounded slightly annoyed in the podcast. No oh. harm or annoyance was meant.
1: Oh, have, no. you been, have you been? you been upsetting I'm, our audience again? I was going to say, have I done it again? I am so incredibly... No, no, all all said in fun, absolutely. Part parp away, sir. Part parp away. Enjoy ah. yourself, and, and listen,
0: Dane. I hope you're uh, appreciating that because we do not ever bring the train out of the station during no. the week. That's, that's true. That's just for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, now he also mentioned something else. Uh, he's an NVDA fan. And he says, have you ever, have you gentlemen ever played with Piper TTS? It's a oh. fast new AI TTS made for NVDA.
1: No, I've never heard of it. I am, I am downloading Google that it. straight
0: after this show. I want
1: that. Wow. That sounds okay. interesting. I wonder, is that is that a paid for add-on? Or is that available in the add-on stores free? I don't know. Oh, yes, I'm definitely going to look that up. Is, is that a rhetorical question? Because... I have no idea. Yes. OK, obviously it was. Yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> definitely. I'm going to check that out. Thank you. I've, I've never heard of it before.
0: Um, thank you, Dane. And uh, we'll definitely check that out and look forward to, uh, to hearing it. Uh, Marco sends in a message on Mastodon. Uh, he says, this is a service announcement for Double Tap. My yeah. iMac has arrived in my hometown of Hamburg. Uh, It's not out for delivery yet, although I'm imagining it will be there by now. He says, uh, although the uh, Paul McCartney tune of Hope of Deliverance has been stuck in my head with that adjusted (laughs) lyrics since waking up this morning. Do you know, I was reading that message. Uh, I think he sent that a couple of days ago. He he made me think of a time, I remember getting a computer. And uh, at the time, um, I don't know if you ever got this or, or heard about this, but I was at school at the time. And the school had a, basically got this charity money to help all of us poor blind people get access to computers. And what it meant was... Hooray! Yeah, thank you, guys. What Middle it meant, tops. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it basically allowed <laughs> us to get access to uh, computing, right, which was cool. Um, and what happened was... They told us, right, okay, so you can go into a store. At the time, there was, there was PC World, which is still, I think, is still a thing uh, in the UK, and you could go and you could basically pick out what you were looking for, you know, pick out the computer you would like.
1: Oh, wow. And okay. I went
0: to the store and I picked out what I wanted and I went back and they said, how much? And I said, oh, well, okay, we can, you can dump the laser printer. And um, <laughs> I got the computer. So on the morning of the delivery, I was so excited. I mean, I was up at like six in the morning. Now I was a child. Children don't wake up at six in the morning for anything, Christmas, except exactly. And this was my Christmas. This was computer Christmas.
1: Ah, oh, nerdmas. Ah, oh, nerdmas.
0: And I woke up and I was uh, and I sat the whole day waiting and waiting and oh, waiting. looking out the
1: window. Is he and here yet?
0: At four o'clock in the afternoon, a van turned into the street. And it stopped outside the house and the guy got out with a box and he walks up to the door and he says, here you go. Here's your parcel. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And uh, It was the printer. It was only the printer. I had to wait another day for the computer but you know oh. what? It was kind of like sweeter, right? Because then I had to wait. I had no, to the the next morning. Oh, no. no. Not at the moment it was. i go moment, crazy
1: when that happens. <laughs> uh, it's, it's torturous. It's terrible. It's even worse now because if you buy something from a, a certain online store, it says Amazon. He is, yes. He is eight stops away. Yeah. And you think, right. That can't take more than five minutes and it could be six hours yet. Oh, it's awful. Honestly, uh, but the thing was then you didn't get a lot of
0: parcels. So it was totally unusual, right? It was like, it wasn't a thing. You didn't get parcels all the time. Like today it's just a thing. The door goes every day. Whereas, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I would say even maybe five years ago for me, that wasn't really a
1: thing. That's very true. Every time I step into my porch now, I step on or fall over a box that's been thrown in there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's just things have changed so much. Um, Back in my day,
1: we didn't have parcels.
0: We we just had um, apples wrapped in oranges or something.
1: Lumps of coal, yes.
0: So I don't know if you saw this. A new report is out claiming that Amazon is getting rid of Android and replacing it on its devices with a new OS of its own making in its Fire TV, Echo Show smart displays, and other devices. So Uh, the the report cites uh, numbers of sources from pass This is the group that has the report uh, on this. It reports multiple sources, job listings, and other materials that reference this effort, which goes uh, by the codename Vega, and is apparently far along in development. OS development is allegedly pretty much done, and Amazon has already tested Vega on existing Fire TV hardware. It's also told select partners about its plans, which include a new application framework for developers, and is now focusing on these efforts. The first Vega-based Fire TV devices could ship as soon as next year. Oh! What do we think um, of that?
1: I don't know what I think of that. uh, Immediately, I'm thinking, okay, so what's it based on? Everything is based on Android. Everything's based
0: on Android, but not with this. Apparently, this is based on a stripped-down version of Linux, and its app model could be based on React Native which is cross-platform compatible and could enable developers to create a single app that runs across multiple Amazon device types. Now, am okay. I am I right in saying? And I am probably not, so I apologize in advance. But something rings a bell in my head that says Ira is based on React Native.
1: Am I wrong in that? I believe I, I I've got the I the new Ira Pla-
0: Explorer app.
1: Yeah, I've got the platform Flutter in my head,
0: or maybe it's um, Flutter. But there maybe are maybe it's Flutter.
1: I, I could be totally wrong. I may be just thinking of the toast I had this morning and butter. But I am, I am. <laughs> Tutter. We are seeing a lot of these platforms now, which is code once and compile, well, compile once and compile to multiple platforms yes. as well. So the code base is. One code to, to manage, to maintain, and it can output to, you know, builds for different platforms, which makes total sense. Uh, th- the first thing I'm thinking of, obviously, it's a, it's, uh, this is from scratch, if, if it's correct in this report. This is a from scratch OS, of course, accessibility. Uh, how, has that been thought about? How active is that? Because I, I still find voice view, not the most mature Screen reader in the nope. uh, in the world, it's still very feature less. Um, mm. It it does the job. It's okay, but um, I d- I wouldn't like to go back to year zero again on a new OS. But maybe <laughs> no. it'll be there. I don't know.
0: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Well, look, some more detail on this. Um, Vega was apparently mooted back in twenty nineteen. And the project was really, in their words, to create an iOS slash Android competitor for all devices and IoT, Internet of Things. Um, But this dates back to 2017. At least that's the, the aim dates back to 2017. That's a mistake. Well, yeah, because it seems to me that's, you know, we've talked about this, right? Could anything really ever get in bed or, you know, embed itself into the world in amongst Google and Apple. I don't know if that's going to be possible. But well, Amazon, what,
1: what benefits is it going to bring apart from mm. trying to wall off their own little bit of the market and their own ecosystem and try and keep the, the revenue from that to themselves? Absolutely, yeah. I get. But what, what benefits does it actually bring? I mean, most developers are working on those two main platforms now, Android or iOS. So what does it do? I don't know. Maybe there is something in this cross-platform development. I don't know. Well, again, I think it's about simplicity,
0: isn't it? It's about making something that you can create. Like you say, you make the app once, you build the the foundation, and then it just goes to the relevant devices. So it cuts down on the amount of production a developer has to do, which is a good thing. But accessibility is, is key here. What we do know about this, apparently, is that it's web-based. So this sounds kind of like what Microsoft are doing a little bit, right? So they're saying uh, there are apparently hundreds of employees working on this project. One of them is a former Mozilla engineer and JavaScript expert um, who joined Amazon back in 2022, announcing on LinkedIn he was working on a next-generation operating system for smart home, automotive, and other devices' product lines.
1: Well, that's vague. Um, it just kind makes of me away, so nervous. that It makes me so nervous. Anything re- web-based, JavaScript, it always seems... Has anyone had a great experience when it comes to using like a screen reader or accessibility in that sort of environment? I'm yet to be convinced by that as, you know what, this is absolutely fine. It may be great for cross-platform development. Absolutely. I totally get that. But what's the end user experience like? Is is it primarily a visual thing? Thing. I don't know. I haven't, haven't looked at JavaScript in the longest time. Maybe it's absolutely you know A11Y compliant and perfect now. But
0: I'll refer you to my comments on Outlook and the new version.
1: Again, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. I mean, that's yeah. kind of
0: where I was with that, right? It's like web-based. I'm thinking, oh, hang on. You know, yes, again, accessible, but it's the usability I'm interested in right? I don't care how something how accessible something is. It has to be usable. Like right now, there's a big debate online, and this comes up all the time, uh, captioning on on podcasts and on videos and all of that. And, you know, transcripts. Now, look, I am 100% behind transcripts. I realise the value that they bring. Basically, it allows like, you know, audio description for us or, you know, subtitling for deaf people. You know, it opens up a world to deaf blind people. You know, if you can't consume the content audibly or visually then you know this helps do that my issue is yes we can all make accessible transcripts but you know how usable are they i have thrown in our shows into things like open whisper and what i get back is about 80 percent nonsense it really is i mean really? it's not it's not well first off it's not structured properly um, you've no That's idea who's speaking <laughs> yeah well, I know maybe it's accurate then actually it's a hundred percent accurate um but no there's no there's no idea who's speaking. You have no information about um context or you know what was said that might be funny, you know what would be a, like a laugh when we play in a, a, a jingle it doesn't recognize that. it's not giving that information off you know basically in order to create what I would consider to be a really useful transcript. It takes a heck of a lot of work. And my issue is that a lot of the, the, the capability to do that is not really available to many blind people. There are so many tools out there, like Descript is one everyone talks about, where you can yes. create a transcript and it's really accessible. But Descript isn't accessible to blind people. So you know we want to be as much part of the solution uh, you know, as talking about the issue. But it feels like we can talk about it, but we can't contribute to it. That doesn't feel right to me.
1: No, I, I agree. I did see your, your post on this and I, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know what the answer to unless, you know, there are professional services out there for transcription. But, I mean, they're by no means cheap.
0: No, and do. that's that's ultimately the problem, right? So you either get somebody who you know to help you out. Because, look, I mean, we can go through all day. I mean, the screen readers, and this, is, this goes back to the conversation, I guess, around, you know, making sure you check your work, you know, like if you'd send a text message and you dictate it, make sure that the spelling and the, the punctuation and everything's correct. It feels correct slightly hand.
1: different though when it comes to but, transcription. No, but but it's,
0: a much larger, it's a much larger area, right? Because it's one thing saying that, which by the way, I'm always a little bit against shaming people who are just trying to communicate. I mean, I feel, I feel it's like saying to someone who's deaf, who maybe hasn't got great speech, I wish you could just speak a bit more clearly. You know, that would be so
1: horrifically
0: offensive to someone who's deaf. You know, you wouldn't say that, right? But of course you wouldn't say that because when you say it out loud, you go, well, of course I would never say that. It would be ridiculous. That would be offensive. It would be entirely inappropriate. Yeah, but why are you you picking me up on something that I've got to then go and check a a text to every... You know, why can't you infer what you need to infer from that? You know, yes, I mean... if I'm sending Sean a text that says, uh, "Hey, look, let's get together in the next five minutes," and it comes out with something that's slightly not quite right, but he gets the idea of it,
1: is that not okay? Yes, we do that all the time. Yeah, but when it comes absolutely.
0: to but when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's different
1: because this
0: this is transcripts. This is something that is intended for an audience, and it, it, it would be the same. It would be exactly the same, as far as I'm concerned, in this case, as transcripts as me saying to you, right? So I'm going to put the microphone over here. And I'm just going to talk like this for the rest of the show. Yeah, And And, exactly. and you know, ho- hopefully you can hear it okay. And, yeah. and, that, and that's decent. Now, that would be entirely inappropriate, unprofessional. It would be an unusable, it would be an inaccessible experience, right? Cause you'd be like, what is he saying? Yeah. And that's where I'm at with transcripts. But the, the issue for me is that the frustration that builds for me in that topic is I just can't find a suitable way or an accessible way to do it on my own without having to go to a third party that cost me a fortune. Yeah. Now, maybe that may be, and, and maybe that is the only way at the moment. Maybe that's it, in which case everyone's doing that. And I kind of get on board with that. But, you know,
1: that's not really going to. Yeah, but there's also the time frame of things, Yeah. right? I mean, if you're doing a weekly or monthly show, then you've got time to, to put in that. It, trying to turn around a, a, a show on a different time frame is really difficult for a transcription point of view.
0: Yeah, I know I've moved away from the Fire thing. But look, the Fire OS, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. We're going to be talking to some people <laughs> about this in the coming weeks, by the way, because I want to get people's views on this. What are what are the general thoughts and concerns about moving away? I, I'm with you. I think web-based sounds great in theory, but it's the usability factor for me. I, and it's kind of all tied into the same thing, right? That's why I brought up the, the whole point about transcriptions. It's all about usability. And there's one thing making something accessible. It has to be usable. Yes, And, you know, know, are are disabled people in the room? I really hope that there are, because I know that Amazon have got an accessibility department. I don't know how big that group is. Yes. But by God, I hope they're being listened to, because, you know, if they make this and it's inaccessible, that's really not a good look. And Amazon, I'm telling you now, people will just walk away. And look, we're a lot, there's 20% of the population is is disabled. So you're going to knock out 20% of your potential audience?
1: Well, let's wait and see let's let's be fair because we don't know yet they may be absolutely you know have accessibility at its core we will have to wait and see but i hope so again yeah there's nothing wrong with asking the questions
0: well do you know what there was a time when i would have said like you do you know what let's just you know let's see how it goes and and i'm still with that viewpoint i still believe in that but i also think sometimes you have to just i I feel it's like if you don't say anything and then and then it comes out then it's not accessible I'd kind of kick myself for not speaking out first and saying, you know, because if it comes out and it's 100% accessible, then brilliant. But if it didn't, and I didn't say at the time, hey, guys, have you even considered
1: this? Yeah, absolutely. Then that is absolutely fine. You should always keep companies, you know, hold them to task about accessibility. But I've seen some comments recently regarding something else, and it's almost vilifying them before... I want to. I want to talk know about, about that.
0: It. So we're talking about humane, right? So humane's AI pin, yes. We talked about on Friday, and the the big announcement, of course, that it's coming out. I am super excited, as you know. Um, I've read some really terrible takes from mainstream and disability press on this. Um, I saw one from I think it was then gadget a report, uh, an opinion piece, which said, you know, this will fail before it even gets out the door. And I'm like, oh, that's a good start. I see. You. We're <laughs> often running on the the uh, positivity here. Um. But I also see a lot of comments from people talking about the lack of accessibility being mentioned, not that there isn't any or no accessibility benefits, just that it hasn't been mentioned as some kind of indicator that they're not interested. Um, I can tell you today, I've had contact back from Humane on two fronts, and they are keen to talk about this. Now, I hope they come to us and they talk to us first. That'd be nice. I don't really care who they talk to. I just want to get the news out there that you know accessibility is a consideration at least. I want them to confirm that because I feel there's a lot of um, unfairness being flung at this company at the moment and in particular from disabled people who seem to be setting out an agenda of well this is not going to be accessible because they've said it's they've not said anything actually is what the, the truth is. They've not it's not that they've not said it won't be accessible, it's that they haven't said anything at all about accessibility and that's um that often creates, you know, what's that phrase? Silence creates a vacuum or whatever it is, that, that phrase they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and That's so it. there's a lot of nonsense being flung around on this.
1: Well, look, again, it's, 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 it's so difficult, right? Because absolutely ask the questions. And should Humane have an accessibility roadmap in place? I would say, of course. But simply because certain journalists cannot get the answers to questions... Doesn't mean are they that even they're... asking them? Well, even are if they, they are. Are they even
0: asking? Because it doesn't sound to me like anybody's asking the question. So like Amazon, right? I want to approach Amazon and say, OK, if you're doing this, if you're building this new system, where's the accessibility? What is the roadmap for accessibility? I want to ask that question, and I want Amazon to answer. And I hope they will. So we'll do that. We'll ask that. We will get, we'll get someone on from Amazon, or we'll find out the answer, and we'll tell you when we get the answer. But we will ask that question. And the same is true of Humane. Yes. I'll treat every company the same. And, you know, this is a new company, but even so, I don't accept new company equals no idea about accessibility. Not in 2023, I'm sorry. No, I totally agree. And actually more so because the people who are at the top of this were former Apple execs. And I think you'd have to have your head inside a llama to not have noticed accessibility (laughs) at Apple.
1: Interesting turn of phrase. (laughs) I'll keep that one. No, look, absolutely. But what I do find slightly um, irksome is that, Just simply writing off, and as I say, vilifying the company as I think was something like you know disregarding or disrespectful to the disabled. Well, hang on, just because you haven't got the answers yet, doesn't let's not throw it. It was almost alarmist comments that I saw. That's how i how I pitched it. I just think, wow, that's slightly too much. Almost looking for a problem here. Um, But again, you're, I'm very cautious about saying. they don't need to answer questions about accessibility because, of course, they do. But it just seems far too early yet to start throwing away the the heated and sometimes vicious terms that I've seen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, you know, on one hand, I'm saying let's make sure and Amazon better get this right or else, you know, I, I realise it sounds like a contradiction. It's not. It actually isn't. You know, the same is true for Humane. Um, but like I say, the reason when we move on to mean, the reason I bring it up is because they they have reached out and that's good. And I think that's brilliant. So they've reached out to us. We hope we'll get a conversation on this soon. Um I want to work with people because I think that, you know, I've I've got, I've had these mixed emotions as well. A company brings something out, it's a terrible product, or it doesn't work well, or it's just failing, and the temptation is to slaughter it. But Where's the value in that? Wouldn't it be better if we could just work with the company and say, hey, do you know what, guys? If you just made this a little bit better, or you did this, or maybe this small improvement here, this product could be good. And you know, issue that via a software update, and everybody's happy, right? Is that not a better solution than just going after people? Because to me, it's all a bit clickbaity. If I'm totally honest, it's all yes. a little bit clickbaity. And you know the problem with me? I'm really not interested in clickbait. I don't care about clickbait. I just want people... Especially in our community, because this is such an important conversation. This is not. This isn't just Google versus Apple, right? If I come on here and I say, "Oh, Google did this and Apple did that," th- they are big, big, huge tech companies. They can take it. But you know, if I come on here and says say something about Humanware or Orbit or WeWalk or Envision or any other company and start throwing around comments about them, that can yep. have serious impact on their business. And I'm not interested in doing that i want to have a conversation with these people but i also want to make sure that they know uh, they've got an audience here who are willing to listen to them but also we are going to be critical from time to time and that's okay too but has got to be a conversation that's right yeah my goodness was that a tech show today i think well done guys we did it we did it it's only taken almost two years
1: we got geek on with michael babcock here
0: as well Uh, Don't worry. Tomorrow we'll get back to normal. I think I'm running out of coffee, so I'm sure I'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Listen, we're back tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Bye, Sean.
1: Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favourite podcast distributor.